This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. We're continuing, for those of you who are visiting this morning with our study on God is love, but he hates. And so as we uh, stated in the opening introduction, uh, this is a generation that uh, by and large have taken uh, the revelation of God and have redefined him according to their own agenda, uh, their own uh, emotional preferences, and have laid aside and left behind uh, the truth of who God is and how he relates to humanity. Uh, the word that is the buzzword of our generation has been for the last uh, 20 to 25 years is love. Uh, it's actually a, a spillover uh, from the uh, hippie generation uh, when uh, love was the, uh, the great word and love in was, uh, uh, was in vogue, uh, where everything was laid aside for an emotional pursuit of life. And our, uh, our uh, society still uh, is on that uh, binge. Uh, uh, intellect is disconnected. Uh, reality is uh, shoved aside and is circumscribed to relate to everything by emotion. Uh, politics today has been largely uh, played out not in the principles, not in truth, but uh, emotion has begun to move an entire generation. You have to understand that. People, it uh, doesn't matter whether it's not true, as long as you appeal to them on an emotional level, this is how they want to relate. So this has had profound consequences in the church. And so in Proverbs chapter 6, uh, uh, verses uh, 16 uh, through 19, uh, we have a very interesting statement that brings a little bit of clarity to the church of Jesus Christ, which above all ought to be knowledgeable about God. Can you say amen? How would you know uh, whether uh, God had touched you or you were in the presence of God or whether you were on the right uh, pathway of God or whether you were related to God correctly? How would you know? See, years ago, Norman Vincent Peale used to put out publications, and he was one of the forerunners in the church world that began to go outside the Scripture to bring people who'd had experiences. I remember reading one about uh, a person. Uh, they were in their bathroom, and, uh, and through the window, suddenly, they had this overwhelming uh, experience of love. From that moment, it changed their life. Nothing about the gospel of Jesus Christ, nothing about God, but it had a sacred overtone that uh, their life was totally changed. They were absolutely baptized with love. Okay, so how are we going to know whether that's uh, valid, invalid, whether that's true, not true, or what? You want to correct and edit what you said before somebody shoots you down? Okay, the Word of God is the only guard that we have. All experiences, all interpretations of the Holy Spirit, all of life must conform to the Word of God. 
When you go outside the Word of God, you're in uncharted territory, and every cult is built on, on uh, diverting from that. Uh, David? Very good. Very insightful. That's true. Entire Scripture. No doctrine of any importance can be based on a single Scripture. None. It must have. Uh, we're, we're, I'm diverting a little bit here, but the, the uh, traditional... Uh, uh, interpretation of how you uh, interpret the Word of God, their guidelines. One, it must be clearly taught in the Old Testament or precepts that it must be reaffirmed by Jesus Christ in His teachings, in His revelation, and the epistles must have uh, related to it and the uh, book of Acts, or you're on dangerous ground. This is biblically and historically, this is how you interpret Scripture. You cannot interpret it any other way. Those are the three safeguards. Carol? Okay, Proverbs six sixteen through nineteen. Here we're uh, here we're uh, getting this. Who get that for me? Somebody like to get Proverbs six? Is uh, what is your name? <laughs> it's been a bad week, folks. Sharon, Sharon, that's her name. Okay, if you'll get that for us, and then I want somebody to get Revelation twenty one twenty seven, uh, Samantha, Revelation twenty two fifteen, uh, uh, Phil. I want First Kings thirteen seventeen and eighteen. Uh, Pete, I want Acts 5, uh, 3, and 4, Don Galati. And so, uh, on the front page of the newspapers, every day for the last uh, endless uh, weeks has been a man named uh, Fife Symington, the governor of uh, Arizona. And so, the reason that Fife Symington is, uh, is uh, in trouble has to do with truth in deep doo-doo. And so, uh, Sharon, would you read that for me and uh, set the pace? Uh, God is love. There's no argument with that. But he hates. Okay, so according to the Bible, uh, the God of love uh, hates. And some of the things he hates, he's very plain spoken about. One of these has to do with lying. So uh, every day, let me just share an art, a little bit of an article. Uh, this came out of... Uh, uh, of uh, the Wednesday paper, I believe, uh, ex-banker Symington misled us. Former banker testified Tuesday, Governor Fife Symington told her he had guaranteed no long-term loans when he had already guaranteed more than $11 million in such loans to his development partnerships. Jane Proctor, former Valley National Bank vice president, took the stand to discuss details of three separate loans, etc. And uh, the uh, Republic columnist, uh, uh, Willie, uh, has the, uh, says, has the governor been a man of his word? Trial says no. Earlier Tuesday, uh, during the examination of First Interstate Bank Loan Officer Douglas Hawes, Prosecutor David Schindler put the spotlight on another major discrepancy. While Symington was warning F, uh, First Interstate Bank in the fall of 1990 that his financial statement was materially overstated. Then uh, he vouched that to another lender that the same statement was accurate. Then on over says he inaccurately reported his net worth to be 11.9 million. Simonson submitted a revised statement showing a net worth of 4.48 million. So what he's really being tried for? They're being really nice. They're trying him for lying. Okay. So uh, 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 let's just give it a definition of what lying is. Lying is basically an exercise of untruth. Webster's Dictionary says, uh, lie, lied and lying, to make an untrue statement with intent to deceive, 
to create a false or misleading impression to affect by telling lies as light his way out of trouble. Uh, uh, lie, prevaricate, synonyms, lie, prevaricate, equivocate, palter, or fib. Means to tell an untruth. Uh, lie is the blunt term imputing dishonesty. Uh, then again, another uh, little uh, definition, an assertion of something known or believed by the speaker to be untrue with intent to deceive. An untrue or inaccurate statement that may or may not be believed true by the speaker. And then thirdly, something that misleads or deceives and uh, lied as a charge of lying. So Vine's uh, Biblical Dictionary uh, defines uh, or gives this word. It's the word pseudos in the Greek, and it means literally a falsehood or a lie. So let's get a little bit of Scripture, and we want to uh, discuss a few things. And Revelation 21, 27 uh, has some pointed statements about uh, lying. Okay, this gives us a picture of heaven. This is concluding revelation of what God's doing uh, in planet Earth in this uh, uh, age and, uh, and uh, the, with a picture of eternity and says, uh, nothing shall enter in that makes a lie. Re- uh, uh, revelation twenty-two fifteen. All right, puts all the other... Uh, 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 things that uh, we have no problem with uh, uh, believing God will be displeased about and then whoever uh, makes or practices or loves the lie. First Kings 13, 17 through 18. Okay, here's a very interesting scenario out of the Old Testament. You know the story. Uh, there's a prophet uh, that uh, uh, is uh, functional. He's a reputation of time past of being a prophet of God. And as he uh, uh, is there, uh, Jeroboam, if I'm not mistaken, is, uh, is offering on a, on a false altar. Uh, as he's offering on this false altar, uh, this young prophet is sent by God from another region of the country. He comes up, he pronounces uh, judgment upon that altar and upon those who practice it. Uh, the king... Uh, stretches out his hand said rest that man the minute he did his armor shrunk into himself uh, a visible demonstration of God's displeasure uh, he immediately cries out for mercy to the prophet of God the prophet of God speaks he's healed and uh, it's a wonderful wonderful day and uh, it shocked the entire community they saw God was displeased with idolatry he starts to go on his way. God had said to him, you don't meet anybody in the way. You don't eat with anybody. You don't do anything. You just go your way. Come back here. And so uh, uh, the sons of the prophet sees this. They come running back to their father and say, this is a tremendous thing that happened. There's a young man came. Uh, he's a prophet of God. He spoke this. God demonstrated. And, uh, and uh, uh, the, the king repented. And uh, he went on his way. And so he said, which way did he go? So he told him. So he hurriedly uh, jumped on his donkey, started riding after him, caught him. And when he caught him, uh, uh, he uh, said, uh, God spoke to me and told me to bring you back to the house. He said, no, God said, I'm not to do that. He said, listen, I've got the latest revelation. And so he told me to get you and bring you back to the house. And he persuaded the young man to do what God had told him not to do. And uh, as a result of that, a lion slew him. But the scripture says he plainly was lying. 
Now, why would he, why would he do that? Somebody tell me why this man lied. We're going to get into the dynamics, not just the statement. Why would he do this? Don't you hate this class? You have to think about what you, you can't, you know, uh, some places you can go and you just plan your next Amway sale and you, uh, you, uh, you can do all kinds of business arrangements and so on. But in here, uh, these probing questions come. Why would this man do this? Pete? Absolutely. He was a man that should have been speaking to that altar. And here comes a young, uh, a young man and these dynamics work in the church world, my friend. Here comes this young man whom the Spirit of God is upon, who not only is speaking words of prophecy, but is, he has the confirmation of it. See, it would be a pretty frightening thing if, uh, if I said this morning, uh, uh, Betty Jacobs, you... And, and, and when I did that, my arm just went... Eep. Right? Be pretty impressive. And if, uh, if uh, uh, she spoke back and said, uh, be healed, and uh, my arm came out again, it would be a pretty impressive thing. I'm, I, I would imagine that over, uh, uh, over your fast food for lunch, you would be uh, talking about this endlessly. Isn't that right? That's what happened. This was an impressive event. They go back and tell their dad, it's tremendous. Young prophet of God came. And, uh, and God's confirmation was on that. And so his jealousy and envy rose up that here would someone come that they're doing the job he should be doing. And he cannot allow this to continue. He must discredit him. And he went and persuaded him wrongly. Pete? Ah, uh, the, uh, the dynamics of the human heart, Pete. Heart is de uh, deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So we're going to talk about some of the dynamics a little bit later, but, but uh, nothing is impossible with man. Nothing. For Jesus said, for in and out of the heart of man, proceed evil thoughts, blasphemies, evil speakings. It's there. And unless the Holy Spirit keeps control, every one of us are capable right now of doing anything that you could ever imagine. Unless the Holy Spirit keeps control. The horrible thing that happens, I don't want to divert and, and go outside, the horrible thing that happens is that uh, with, with the religious people, and especially the higher you get in, in, uh, in, uh, in age and the, the longer you are familiar, is that you can put a theological spin on this. You can, you can justify anything. And so this man undoubtedly would have had a, a, if you would have asked him, he would have sat down very smoothly and told you exactly why he's doing this. Uh, Jeff Brown, slighting the young prophet. Oh, lying. Uh, okay, we're diverting from my lesson because I want to get into that. <laughs> and that's true. The dynamics of this has to do with the personal element. But let's get a couple more comments and we're going to move on. Carol? Beware lest your heart be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Okay, the word deceive and deceit, you need to remember that as we uh, move on the dynamics of lying. Acts 5, 3 and 4, here's the New Testament. Okay, here's the Ananias and Sapphira sequence in the New Testament. And here we see the awful ramifications of that. Uh, is they're lying uh, to the Holy Spirit and uh, the judgment comes. So I want to move, I want to move, uh, uh, I want to move ahead just a little. 
because we've already triggered and, and I don't want to, uh, and then we'll move back with some scripture. And so uh, uh, in the nature and the essence of the outworking of lying, why does a person lie? Why does a person lie? I'll go back to some of the scripture and another thing. Why does a person lie? To cover up something they might have done. Okay, uh, Victor? For an instant gratification of personal gain. All right, uh, David? Selfishness. Okay. We don't have to worry about that in the church, do we? Philip? To gain control over someone, and so uh, that's that's what we saw in the in the old prophet, didn't we, uh, Casey? Uh, yeah, not basically. We're going to get into that in the false witness and slander, but but that's not basically what we we're dealing with here. So I don't want to get diverted on that. Okay, Carol. Nobody wants to be a bad guy in the sight of someone else. Getting very close here, uh, Anna. Every lie, the basis of it for our own self-interest. Uh, Samantha? Uh, pride has a lot to do with it. Remember, we talked about pride. At first, we said all these are going to move into and lock into pride. Many authors think that pride is the, is the major sin he's talking about here, and all these others spin out of that. And so that's good insight. Uh, 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 Jeff Brown? Put yourself above God? Okay. Uh, Juanita Shul. Many times to hide something they've done or should have done or didn't do, yes. Uh, fear of what? Getting in trouble, okay. Uh, and the little lady right there? Jealousy, okay. Paul? Take credit for something that you shouldn't take credit for? That'd be called evangelistically speaking? <laughs> uh, Tanya I can't hear that far Oh, the truth hurts Alright, so let's, let's, let's this condense all Because you've all been right And so what we really have at the center of this Is the human ego, don't we? The human ego Is tremendously protective Of itself So what we're dealing with then is not willing to be seen in a different light or wanting to be seen in a different light or fear of being found out or on and on and on. So we have, uh, we have this uh, uh, personal element. So lying has a personal element and that personal element centers on the ego and this is an element. Lying is an element of a defense mechanism. This is what we're really dealing with. And so uh, uh, we want to uh, we want to go back for a moment. All right. So we want to talk about the uh, the uh, uh, Bible admonitions. First Timothy four one and two. Someone get this for us very quickly. We'll move through this. First Timothy four one two. Casey, uh, who is it back there? Uh, uh, Dan. Uh, Psalms one nineteen one six three one nineteen one six three. Mark seven twenty one through twenty three. Uh, Joel. And John eight forty three and forty four, uh, Ralph. So the Bible is filled with admonitions, and I've j only just uh, a few of the scriptures that we're using in our lesson. Uh, I was astonished about how much of the Bible actually uh, talks about this and outlines this and warns about this and uses the term lie, lied, and lying. First Timothy four one and two. 
This is prophetic. I remember uh, the essence of this. Here's the danger of the outworking of this, having your conscience seared with a hot iron. Now, this has to do with the human personality, and our human personality is constructed by God. When we're born again, the Lord moves through us, begins to give us an acute uh, alertness, a sensitivity to truth. You begin to love truth now before you ran from it. Uh, uh, I remember when I was working in Bible college in, in apartment buildings, and uh, they were always in a basement. And quite frequently, I'd turn the lights on as I went in to fix uh, laundry equipment, and a rat would go across it down the sewer. Could not stand the light. This is the, uh, a crude illustration of what happens to people when light begins to come if you do not yield to light and say, Yes, yes, Lord. When God came into the garden and Adam was there and he said, What have you done? You, you've eaten of this fruit that I forbid you. And in Adam, instead of saying, Yes, Lord, I did this. I'm, I'm the one. It's not his fault. It's the woman that you gave me. That woman you gave me has caused all this problem, and I'm a victim of this. I've been victimized because you created this woman. After all, you made her like she was, and she's the one that did this, and so she gave me, and, and I had to do this, and uh, so I'm a victim. And instead of saying, it's, ra it's, it's rat hole religion is what it is. Okay? If you continue in that, then your heart then becomes hardened. You become like the old prophet. That's what happened to him. You become insensitive to God's dealing in the Holy Spirit unless some radical, uh, traumatic thing brings you to repentance. Then you'll continue that, getting worse and worse and worse. But if you're religious, this makes this uh, 500 times worse because then you begin to cloak the justification of what you're doing in theological terms. You create a theology for what you're doing. Uh, I even heard of a, a, of a preacher uh, who's no longer with us. He preached an entire sermon in his church on Christian lying. <laughs> Justifying, not telling the truth. Okay, so uh, uh, Psalms 119, 163. Okay, God says, I hate this. Uh, Mark seven twenty one through twenty three. All right, deceit is a companion word with lying. This is what this is what lying is. It's a deceit. So you can put down deceit, deceived, uh, and uh, and deceiving, and uh, which we don't have time to even pursue that. But it's a companion. It means exactly the same thing. Is the outworking. Of, uh, of uh, lying. John 8, 43 through 44. This gives us some insight about where this originates. Okay, this is the devil. This gives us the origin and the root of this and where it comes forward and begins to work in the human heart. Uh, this has very dangerous and harmful effects. So we need a little bit of insight. And we're going to talk about a, 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 some of the dynamic. I want Proverbs 17, uh, verse 4. Maybe over here on my right. Somebody like to participate. Roger. Proverbs 17.4. I want Proverbs 10.18. Uh, way back in the back, David Barnes. Uh, Pete, uh, Proverbs 21.6. Proverbs 10.18, David. I want Proverbs 52. Uh, no, Psalms 52, uh, 2 through 5. Somebody would like to get that for me in this section here. Uh, uh, Sean, Psalms 52, 
uh, 2 through 5. I want Proverbs 26, 20 through 29. Uh, uh, Yvette. I want Proverbs 26, 28. Uh, Denny. I want Psalms 107, 2. Uh, is it Larry? I want 2 Timothy 2, 3, and 4. Uh, Sharon. I want 2 Thessalonians 2, 7 through 12. Quickly. Who is it? Uh, uh, Mac. And I want 1 Kings 22, 20 through 23. Uh, Daniel Elliott. Okay, this gives us a little insight. And uh, we want to see how this works out. How do people get into... Uh, this business of lying. Do they just, uh, uh, and, and, we're, and, and we're basically uh, talking now about Christians, although the truths are going to go clear through, and uh, how do people get into this and some of the dynamics uh, that are involved? Proverbs 17, verse 4. An evildoer gives heed to false lips. What does that mean, folks? We'll believe a lie. Why? The truth is not any. There is no reference point. What a theologian this man is here. <laughs> it's exactly what it means. It means if you yourself are not truthful and living truthful, you've lost the reference points of life, and you have lost the safeguard for your own character and personality. And that means that you will be easily caught up in and be willing to believe because the spirit of truth is not in you as a, uh, we, could, we could call it a spiritual gyro. Anybody know what a gyro is? A gyro is something that spins, keeps its uh, equilibrium. They use it on airplanes, they use it on space shots, and regardless of which it goes, it always shows a true direction. That's what a gyro is. So if you are not living honestly, if you are a liar yourself, there comes a point when you don't even have the ability to know what truth is and what it's not because in you is not a reference point. We're going to talk about pathological liars in a moment. But this is a tremendous insight from the Word of God that tells us about uh, this, uh, this spiritual gyro. When you're born again, suddenly... Instead of uh, rat hole uh, religion, you now have a love for light. You don't run from light. You seek light. Okay. So, Proverbs 10, verse 18. He who conceals hatred has lying lips. So, uh, you use uh, Saturday night and Sunday morning for breakfast. You, uh, you talk about uh, everybody in the church. You talk about how much you hate the preacher and everything that's with it. You come in the door and you say, Hi, Pastor. <laughs> Good to see you today. <laughs> he preaches something that, uh, that meddles in your life. And uh, you, go, you go out the door and say, Wonderful sermon, Pastor. And inside you're saying, you dirty dog, I get a chance, I'll do you in. Right? Oh, what? <laughs> Bill's not doing this. Oh, what a tangled web we weave when at first we practice to deceive. What happens to the human heart 
is described in Scripture for you and I. Proverbs 21, verse 6. The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a vanity tossed to and fro by them that love death. I, I was looking, but it's been years since I used it. I couldn't get the exact word, couldn't find it in my concordance. Some of you may have it outlined. It uh, gives a little sequence in human, uh, in human uh, uh, dynamics and says you're out looking at something that someone's uh, wanting to sell, and you say, that's, that's not worth anything. That's junk. But I, you know, I'll take it off your hands for a third of what you wanted for it. That's, that's the most I'll pay. But it's, it's trash. This is, this, is, this, is, this is that. And you purchase it, and as soon as you get up, look, I stole this. Ooh, boy, did I feel that this morning. <laughs> did you feel what I felt just then? It is not. Okay, I was looking for nothing. That's what I thought the key word was. He boasteth. Okay, thanks, Carol. Okay, let's, uh, let's move through. Uh, Psalms 52, 2 through 5. I hope this is right. I, who has that? Okay, so here's a very interesting psalm. And uh, you'll note all those words there. says uh, that they love lying more than they love the truth. They'd rather lie than tell the truth. Now, how can that be? And says their tongue is like a razor. You know what he's talking about? That you, have, you ever, have you ever been around people, and, uh, and if you're around them, and man, the next thing you know, you... For two, three days, you can, these words, you can't get them off your mind. They just, uh, uh, they're, they're absolutely words that uh, cut to the bone. They're slashing, and, uh, and uh, it's a bad scene. You ever been around anybody like that? Okay. And they can take a, a simple event, and they can take that and twist it to mean something that never was there to begin with, but fits their own agenda. Okay, so Psalms 52, 2 through 5. Proverbs 26, 20 through 29. Okay, here's the outworking. This is this tremendous... Uh, uh, this tremendous scripture from Proverbs, here's the outworking of a person who's given themselves to lying. Deceit, lying, the words are used in there, and speaks of the chaos that is, uh, that is done, and God's warning that uh, it'll be uncovered in the congregation. In other words, it's going to be made public and going to know about it. Proverbs 26, verse 28. Okay, a lying tongue hates those that are crushed by it, and a flattering lips, which is, uh, is actually lying. Uh, there are people who have gained the art of flattery, uh, and they use that as a tool to flatter another person to gain their own ends. May not be, not, may not be a word of truth to it, or it's greatly distorting the truth of what they really think or what you really are, but they're doing this to gain uh, an advantage over you by building up your ego and puffing you up and making you think you're something that you're not. Uh, Psalms 107, verse 2. Is that verse 2? I probably made a mistake on that scripture. That's the first one this year. And that's a lie. Second Timothy 2, 3, and 4. Let's go back to First Timothy 2, 3, and 4 and catch that for me, Sharon, because I think I made her... 
Yeah, well, who knows what scripture that I was looking for. That's not it anyway. Okay. Second Thessalonians 2, 7 through 12. All right, here's the dynamics. This is uh, basically the Antichrist and his spirit uh, outworking in our days, which will come to a culmination in the conclusion of the age. And this gives the dynamic as it works out. First Kings 22, 20 through 23. Okay, here we see this dynamic in a theological terms and uh, the deceiving of the king of Israel by lying prophets and says that it was a spiritual dynamic that was there. All right, let's talk about pathological liars for a moment. How many of you have ever met a pathological liar or have any in working with them? All right. Uh, this is a, an interesting uh, study, and until you've actually encountered one. I'm not just talking about somebody that lies. I'm talking about a pathological liar. And these people are steady unto themselves. These people uh, are able to create an entire scenario. Uh, it has details. It has uh, uh, answers. It has uh, occasions. It has places. It has location. Until you are, have no doubt that these people have experience and are talking about a real event which in fact never transpired at all, has no basis in reality, and never even happened. Now these are strange folks, and I want to tell you that the greatest education that a preacher gets is the first time he runs onto one of these. He runs off with his sword shining on his white horse to solve a problem and gets his butt tore clean off and finds out there was not, it never even was, the characters were not even there. Now, this is unbelievable. I knew a young man uh, when I was a, a teenager. We were uh, around together. And so uh, after I was married an adult, uh, this young man came to town. And he came, looked me up, came to see me. And uh, so I'm chatting with him in my uh, living room. And we're talking about this one and that one. And I uh, and, uh, said, you know, whatever happened to old so-and-so? Oh, you didn't hear about him? He said, no. Man, he was going to California, driving through the desert over towards Blythe. You know those little narrow roads, don't you? I said, yeah. And he said he, uh, he uh, was passing a car, had his arm out the window, and, uh, and, and passed a semi-truck, and just jerked his, his, uh, his arm, cleared out of the shoulder blade. Just, it's a horrible, horrible thing. I'm like, oh, dear God. You know, I can see my friend, his, his arm just flying through the air, you know, and the blood spurting. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm almost to the point of tears of this poor fellow. And uh, so I go on in life, you know. I, how do I know? I haven't seen the guy for years. And so uh, uh, some years later, I run into the guy. His arm is there. He's, uh... It never actually even happened. Why would he do that? Because he loved to see the shock on people's faces. He can hold people spellbound. Now, we had a fellow on staff here a few years ago. We were training him, and uh, he'd come in. Not wasn't saved in our ministry, but uh, we were working with him. And uh, so I had him on for a little while, uh, not very long. And so I'm out uh, preaching in another state. I get a phone call from, uh, from uh, the concert director and said, there's a mess down here. That this, uh, this fellow's uh, telling this, he's telling that, he's telling something else. And uh, said, this congregation's in entire turmoil. And, uh, and so uh, uh, I came back 
I called this fellow into the office. I'm confronting him about the things that uh, already I've got that he's saying. And uh, there's no basis of fact of any kind about what he's saying. And I'm, I'm astonished at this. And so uh, he's married. He's got a family. And so I said, uh, you're not staying on staff here, buddy. You, you, you're through. You're out of here. And, uh, but I wanted to help his dear wife to understand a little bit about this. So I called her in. And uh, I talked to her, said, your husband, listen, dear, your husband, uh, this is what he said. This is no basis of truth. There's no even any events that happened that are truth. And uh, I'm trying to get her a handle on this and, and send her out uh, because I'm working with a crisis in there, only to find out she's worse than he is. Now, pathological liars are people that can sit down, tell you an event, give you all the details, the facts, the figures, and, uh, and have you fully convinced. It's not just like I heard or somebody said. I'm talking about this is person to person. They experienced this with all the smoke, the mirrors, the, the music in the background. The sun was up here. The clouds were over there. The tree was over here until when you, well, it's bound to be true. They've got too many details. So you, after you deal with people for a little while, you, you develop a, an acute uh, sensitivity to uh, what's true and what's not true. There's something this, there, and it don't sound right. It's, it, it's not, uh, and you begin to, you can ask a couple of questions and generally look right into it, but not a pathological liar. You know why? See, I've dealt with many, many people over the years. Uh, I uh, years ago was involved in a man that uh, was caught in adultery, uh, uh, and uh, uh, and so uh, circumstances of life. And uh, uh, I was uh, restoring him. We were working with him. Things looked good, and I was just getting ready to uh, uh, to uh, uh, put this man in a ministry situation. Another man called me and said a relative of his said that uh, this man smoking pot uh, the night before uh, with him and uh, called me, so I called the man in the office, and I'm watching, because you see, as you counsel people, you learn how to measure human personality. You watch the eyes, you watch the twitch of the face, you watch what their hands do, you watch the flush, and uh, you can tell what people are, are, are saying, whether it is or isn't true. I confronted this man with that, there's not a twitch. There's no flush. There's no hand uh, twitch. There's no eye. There's no looking away. There's no very... I'm looking straight at me. I don't, I don't know why this man would say that. It's absolutely not true. Had I not known, I knew that it was true. Had I not known that it was true, this man would have persuaded me that it was not true. I said, well, uh, it's okay. I'm going to talk to the man, and so uh, you can go on your way. I'm down praying. The man's wife comes to me in a little while and says he wants to talk to you upstairs. And uh, so I came upstairs, and he said, it's true. I said, I don't, I don't know why I didn't, didn't tell you the truth. But I want to tell you that with the human senses, you would have never known this. Now, why is that? Because a pathological liar believes what they're saying. Which is what? Yes. So I was moving into that. Phil's very insightful. He's, he's already picked it up. So, when, so how did a pathological liar get to be a pathological liar? That's what we're aiming at. Very simply, they have told lies until now spiritual dimension has begun to come in and has taken residence. They have a lying spirit. And these people... That's the dangerous thing. This is a deadly thing about a pathological liar. And if you've never run into one, well, you, I hope you never do. I hope you never have to deal with this in any kind of crisis. But they believe what they're telling you. 
That's why they're so convincing, and that's why you're normal. See, the normal person, you, how many of you have had children or have children? Let me see your hand. Okay? And uh, so when your children lie to you, how do you discover this? <laughs> Tell me. How do you discover this? Your children do lie, you know. Oh, yours don't lie? All children lie. Uh, Alan, uh, look them in the eyes. Look me in the eye. Tell me this, okay? Christine, doesn't always work, she says. <laughs> well, to be a pastor, you have to be a detective. One always tells on the other. <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. How are we doing on time? Ooh. Okay. Uh, somebody else. I saw bunches of hands back in here somewhere. Uh, so, uh, Twister? Uh, no, it's Sandy. <laughs> Ooh, I almost forgot Bill. I had all kinds of stuff on Bill here. Uh, here's a man, cautious confessions of a cynical optimist. This is a journalist. Journalists are finding out and uh, they're uh, chagrin. They're discovering that they've been lied to over and over again. Says lies, damned lies and statistics. This is what I'm dealing with. Thousand whoppers later and three continents on. I thought I was inured. Not so. Here in Washington, this ever bubbling spring of endless lies. I surprised myself by being surprised. French philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre had a uh, realistic point when he bleakly pronounced, if you begin by saying, thou shalt not lie, there is no longer any possibility of political, political action. Politicians aren't saints. They shouldn't be. The world is a tough place, but there are limits, particularly in a democracy where public trust is essential. Since the finance scandal broke, Clinton, who has spent a great deal of his time in the White House waffling on about what is the right thing to do, he has insisted his campaign and so on and so forth, and, and the Lincoln bedroom was never sold, he claimed at a press conference. Heavens, no. That was one more false story we have to endure, pronounced Clinton. That presidential lie was nailed with a disclosure on February 25th of a memo. He wrote to DNC finance chairman Terry McAuliffe, ready to start overnight and over, overnights right away, he bubbled. The rot doesn't stop there. Mr. Integrity himself, the vice president, is looking as besmirched as his boss as the 18th century uh, English satirist Jonathan Swift once wrote, the two maxims of any great man at court are always to keep his countenance and never to keep his word. Well, Honest Al kept his innocent uh, countenance as, uh, his, at his. I did nothing wrong. Press conference on March 3 as he ducked and dodged the question. Had he solicited campaign funds from his office at the White House? Gore chose to misinterpret the question as it was asked again and again. Uh, Americans deserve whole truth, nothing but. Here's the president, vice president with the Pinocchio nose here. And uh, just give you a little blurb. So William Jefferson Clinton lied and lied and lied shamelessly and apparently without remorse. After all, he was doing it for our own good. A further lie. More brazen than anything Gantry or even Pinocchio ever tried to tell themselves. And so the, the, the beat goes on. We have at the highest offices of our land uh, moral rot. And it focuses on lying and lying and lying and they believe that if you lie keep on lying and lie often enough nobody will ever catch up with the truth it's a horrible plague and it's filling our land but the Bible says that God hates lying isn't this correct? and so the scriptures are filled with it next week we'll continue on the Lord bless you this morning <laughs>